It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Wednesday, which means Armchair Politics is coming up in about an hour for two hours of commentary and analysis with our roundtable regulars. And Henry Hatter will be back on the right, joining uh, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki for our weekly look at... uh, the headlines from uh, politics and current events, plus uh, <laughs> plus a few quotes in the uh, coveted X-Files. But uh, this first hour, we're going to talk with the uh, author of a new book for kids called Ten Hidden Heroes, a counting book with a message. It's uh, by Mark Shriver, who is president of Save the Children Action Network in Washington, D.C., um, He also created the Choice Program and is a former Maryland state legislator. And uh, I recognized his name uh, right off uh, from um, his best-selling memoir, A Good Man, Rediscovering My Father, Sergeant Shriver. Anyway, uh, Mark joins me by phone. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. Good morning. Um, Mark, the... uh, the idea of writing a, a book like this, a, a children's book, because you've written other books. Uh, you wrote My Search for the Real Pope Francis. and uh, um, 
what made you decide uh, to write a children's book and why this particular topic? Because it's uh, 10 Hidden Heroes, a counting book with a message. Well, the book is, uh, it's a, it is a counting book. It's a fun adventure book. So the idea is to have young children um, look for heroes in each of the pages. So on page 10, there are 10. On page 9, there's 9 and so forth. Um, but the heroes are not, you know, what American culture generally uh, celebrates. You know, people with power and prestige, um, you know, the Super Bowl winning quarterback, the CEO who has, you know, making millions of dollars a year and has multiple houses, multiple cars, that type of thing. Or our comic book think, favorites. Or our comic book favorites, yes. You know, <laughs> um, uh, you know uh, folks flying through the air or smashing buildings or saving other people. I mean, what these are are everyday heroes, and I think we need to lift those folks up. I mean, it started, the idea kind of came around at the beginning of the pandemic, but I've tried to really focus my career and, and what I've written about, about people who do the good work of keeping our communities together every day. And that's different than the great work or the celebrated work, because uh, so often, you know, people that do great things are not good people uh, when the spotlight is off. So this is a celebration of you know, people who compost, uh, you know, guard at the, at the crosswalk, lawyers, um, you know, who are helping people out, the folks, the, the doctors and nurses, but also the custodians in the hospital. Uh, so the people who are doing the small things that keep our community strong, that, that uh, make for a loving and caring community. So, and, and also people... Tom, like Special Olympics athletes, you mentioned my dad, uh, Sergeant Shriver, my mother, uh, Eunice Kennedy Shriver, started Special Olympics. And I have in there, you know, a couple of athletes, one from uh, Israel, arm-in-arm with uh, an athlete from the United Arab Emirates. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I was in the UAE in Abu Dhabi uh, for the International Special Olympic Games, 80,000 people cheering these athletes from all around the world including the athletes from Israel. And the UAE government doesn't recognize Israel. Um, but here are these two athletes arm-in-arm arm, showing that so much uh, we have so much more in common than what divides us. Um, so they're heroes. They're showing us how to respect each other, how to support each other, um, how to be friendly, if you will, uh, regardless of what country we're from or what our, you know, whether we're Republicans or Democrats here in America or um, you know, all across the world, there are, people play on our differences. But Ten Hidden Heroes, this book, is supposed to show that there are heroes in all of us, and we can each lead in, in, a, in a different but important way. Well, and, and uh, again, referring back to your father, Sergeant Shriver, um, you mentioned the Special Olympics, but he was also the, uh, the first head of um, uh, the um, Peace Corps. Yes, he created the Peace Corps for um, uh, President Kennedy uh, and the War on Poverty under President Johnson, you know, starting programs like Head Start, Legal Services for the Poor, Job Corps, uh, VISTA, Volunteers in Service Towards America. Um, and I think, you know, the thing that uh, I wrote the book on my dad was really because I was touched by the folks who waited in the line when he died and, uh, um, you know, at the wake who told me that he was a good man to them. Um, you know, the waitress at his favorite restaurant who said how polite and thoughtful he always was to her over the years. The guy at the American Airlines counter who said he took him through, uh, you know, security. Um, but even though my dad had Alzheimer's, dad, dad was always polite and kind to the man. And, and 
you know, these small comments of goodness uh, maybe look at whether, uh, you know, I was living my life in a good manner as compared to trying to always do great things. Like, you know, the creation of the Peace Corps is a great thing. The creation of Head Start is a great thing. But what really mattered to me as a son um, and, you know, as his friend was to see what made him so good day in and day out and how he treated people. And that's what this book is about. Ten Hidden Heroes is a celebration of the good acts, not the acts that are going to get you on the front page of the, uh, you know, the newspaper or on the nightly news, but these are the good acts that uh, keep our communities together. And I think it's important to teach our children this. You know, what does what uh, a hero, hidden hero really do day in and day out? Um, and that's what the book Ten Hidden Heroes is about, Tom. Um, Mark, can you explain to me just a little bit about the Save the Children Action Network? How is, is that the same thing or different than the Save the Children Fund? Well, it's a, uh, it's a great question. So Save the Children was started in England about a, a little over 100 years ago by a woman uh, who was fighting for the rights for children. Uh, and imagine starting, you know, uh, an organization as a woman in uh, 18, or whatever that is, uh, 1918, excuse me, um, you know, when women were definitely, you know, second-class citizens. And... Um, uh, the program, you know, the operation was started here in America uh, during the Great Depression, feeding children in Kentucky, and we still work not only in Kentucky but across America. Um, uh, and I ran their U.S. programs for about uh, 18 years. Um, just moved into a new role a couple of days ago, um, but we work with young children, zero to really eight years of age, making sure that they understand and their parents understand, their guardians understand the importance of education and reading. The kids enter kindergarten ready to learn. So we do home visits. We work in Head Start. Pro we run Head Start programs, early Head Start programs, really trying to get kids entering kindergarten so that they can uh, read, that they can function at grade level. They know how to, you know, put the round thing in the round hole and the square one in the square hole, um, uh, and which is really important for social, emotional, and cognitive development. What so many of us take for granted with our children or uh, that we, you know, our parents uh, taught us almost naturally, kids that live in poverty struggle with these issues. Uh, we give books and we now. So Save the Children is doing great work not only across America, but in over 120 countries around the world. Um, the Action Network is a, the political arm of Save the Children, and we work with, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people all across America trying to mobilize and to put pressure on our elected officials to invest more in children uh, and in children's needs. Um, you know, if you look around and, and, and see the great uh, political operations in this country, they, you know, they focus on gun control or, uh, you know, the NRA, they focus on the environment, they focus on you know, issues around the, uh, Israel or other great uh, civil rights. important issues. Yeah, civil rights, exactly. But there isn't that type of effort for children. That's what Save the Children Action Network is. It's the uh, political advocacy arm of Save the Children. And together, they're, they're sister organizations, and that's an effort to try to raise the needs of children and to get political leaders, not only in Michigan but around the country, to invest in children. Well, have, having said that, uh what are your thoughts, and, and and how much did you have to do with the fact that uh, President Biden is expected to announce uh, uh, free uh, preschool when he uh, yes. addresses the joint uh, session of Congress later today? Um, 
what are your thoughts on on we, that? We worked a lot with um, you know elected officials, both Republicans and Democrats, um, over the last you know fifteen plus years on the importance of investing early. That uh, you know the, the the greatest return on investment for taxpayers are the first five years of life. Uh, that you know ninety percent of brain growth happens in those first five years of life, Tom. And we've seen time and again that when children who live in poverty are so far behind by the age of, of four, they're 18 months behind, you know, uh, my kids, uh, our kids, um, by the age of four. And we spend billions of dollars trying to remediate that. In many cases, we don't succeed. Those, those kids are so far behind um, that, that we're, as a country, falling further behind. And if you look around the world, India, China, all these other countries are investing early uh, to make sure kids are doing well socially, emotionally, and cognitively by the time they enter kindergarten. So I think what the, uh, President Biden is doing, and we worked um, you know, with, as I said, uh, all candidates during the presidential campaign, including um, then-Vice President Biden, to invest early. So you know, we believe it's important to offer um, not only pre-K and kindergarten services uh, for those that can take advantage of it on a full-time basis, uh, but we want to invest prenatally and at birth and through those first three years of life as well. Um, this is not a you know a, a social justice issue, although it, it is that. It's an economic issue. Um, you know, you see women dropping out of the workforce in the last year uh, because they don't have childcare options, and the childcare industry has been devastated. And we worked very hard on pushing Congress, you know, Republicans and Democrats, uh, and President Biden to invest in child care, and that was part of the $1.9 trillion. There was an investment in child care, but we need to do more, and we need to open up high-quality early learning experiences for all kids in this country. There's a great K-12 system. You know, we need to do better in the K-12 system, but what Save the Children focuses on are those first um, few years of life where there isn't a system. It's scattershot, not only in Michigan, but across the country. If we want kids to succeed in this country and we want to do better economically, and we want to do better um, socially, we need to invest uh, particularly for children of color in those first five years of life. Mark, given your dad's legacy, was there any choice for you but to go into public service in some way? Well, you know, my funny question, Tom. <laughs> you know, my uh, my parents never sat around and said, you got to go into public service, you got to go into public service. I think, you know, when you see two people uh, that were as joy-filled, that were as energetic as uh, my mom and dad every day to go to work, um, I think it was because they really didn't consider it work. I think they thought that they were, you know, they, they were Catholic, were Catholic. Uh, they went to Mass every day. Um, they realized they were not God. I think a lot of us, you know, in America, particularly men, <laughs> think we're a little bit God-like uh, because we have such, you know, skills or power or whatever it is. Mark, uh, and I think my parents, yes. I, I, I hate to interrupt. I, I, I want to pick it up there, but I have to go to a break. Can you stick around for a few sure. minutes so we can talk some more? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Great. My guest is uh, Mark Shriver, who is president of Save the Children Action Network in Washington, D.C., and also the author of a new book for kids called Ten Hidden Heroes, a counting book with a message. We're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annanick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue uh, my conversation with the author of a new book for kids called Ten Hidden Heroes, a counting book with a message. Mark Shriver, who is also uh, president of Save the Children Action Network in Washington, D.C. Mark, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem, Tom. <laughs> uh, sounds like a lot of people love having coffee and talking with you, <laughs> as do I. So uh, thank you for having me on again. Um Mark, we were talking a little bit um, before the break about uh, Save the Children Action Network and how uh, your family and your your dad's legacy uh, in some ways led to you um, wanting to be in public service. But did it ever occur to you that this this book, um, Ten Hidden Heroes Accounting Book with a Message, was in some ways an addendum to Profiles in Courage? Uh, well, that's an interesting one. I, you kind of caught me off guard on that one. Uh, I don't, I think, you know, what it is, is a celebration of, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, that's a kind of a bold, uh, thought, so I'm not going to go there, uh, cause I don't want to have <laughs> it be compared to, you know, that book. Uh, but I mean, I think what it is, is a celebration of goodness. Um, and that was a celebration of courage, but I do think that, you know, people who do keep our communities together, um, you know, who go to work every day, who don't complain, who, you know, try to make the world a little bit better. Uh, can you say they're courageous? Yes. I mean, I do. Uh, it depends on your definition of courage, and it also depends on your definition of hero. Um, and I think, you know, uh, then Jack Kennedy and now, you know, President Kennedy, you know, uh, wanted to elevate those that had shown courage under great uh, duress and in, in great stru- in stressful situations. And I think that's something we should aspire to. And I think the good work that the people that are in this book, Ten Hidden Heroes, which again, is it's not a preachy book. It's not a, a book, uh, you know, that's telling us how to behave. It's a fun book and it's sparking conversations. I mean, a friend of mine told me he spent time trying to explain to his kid because um, we have a, a, a young man in a wheelchair participating in a race for the homeless. How somebody in a wheelchair can raise money uh, and be a hero uh, raising money for the homeless. Uh, you know, so they're, we're trying to break stereotypes of what a hero really is, Tom, and that's what the book is about. You, know, you asked about my mother and father, you know, telling me to go into you know public service, and that was never <laughs> their modus operandi. They were always about do what you love, try to make the world a little bit better every day, um, and uh, I think that's why they were so excited about their own work. And when you see people that are that happy, or really not happy, but joy filled. Uh, every day to go to work because they don't really see it as work, you know, and just kind of naturally gravitated to that area. I think I saw my parents and they were great role models. They still are great role models. They're teaching me every day. And that, what then made you want to write a, a book for what, what is the age range recommended for this? Yeah, the, age, the age range is, you know, three to eight years of age. Um, and I've been working with kids my whole life, you know, in college, I worked in an upward bound program for kids who were smart, but struggling from the New Haven and Hartford public school systems. I started and ran a program for juvenile delinquent kids. You mentioned it uh, at the beginning. It's called the choice program, which is you know, still in existence all across Maryland uh, and Connecticut as well. Um, and Rhode Island. I mean, 
you know, I've just worked on issues regarding kids um, and trying to raise the visibility of children's needs, you know, my whole career. Um, so I guess this kind of seemed like a natural development. You know, it's a kid's book, um, but I can't tell you the number of parents who have told me that uh, it's made them pause and think about, um, you know, what they consider heroic. So it's even though it's for kids three to eight, it's for uh, readers of all ages, Tom. You know, whether you have a children or grandchildren, niece and nephew, I think they'll, you know, really enjoy sitting down and reading the book with you and trying to find the heroes and then having a discussion about, you know, why is somebody who composts, you know, doing heroic work? Well, and, you know, they're, they're lessening the trash. They're, they're helping Mother Earth. Well, that's an important conversation about how we treat the environment, how we treat the Earth. And during, so they're all, you know, kind of ways of conversation. During this last year, year and a half with the, the COVID-19 pandemic all over the world, but, but here in the United States, we've redefined um, in many ways um, what heroes are when we look at frontline workers, not just the people, you know, in, in hospitals and in first responders, but looking at truck drivers and uh, grocery store clerks and, and uh, the people that stock the shelves at night so that the groceries were there if you needed them. And, and all of a sudden, we've gotten a different impression of what it takes to be a hero, which is possibly long overdue. How long did it take to write this book, and, and was it at all pandemic-influenced? It was pandemic-influenced, uh, but, uh, you know, again, I think that I've tried to write about and, and really understand uh, why those people are heroic before the pandemic. And, and you know, I read a, a kind of a, a powerful article in which they talked to essential workers, and one person said, you know, I don't, I don't feel essential, I feel disposable. Um, you know, that if I get sick here, uh, you know, at the checkout counter at the supermarket, um, you know, they'll find somebody else to come in. And, and that was really essential. Why am I paid such a low wage? Why am I not offered health insurance? I think those are important questions as a society we need to ask ourselves. You know, are they really essential and do we really value people? Or is it just lip service and when things kind of get back to normal, we're going to go back to not really valuing those people? And, you know, part of what the book is about is to try to raise up those people to try to see them as, as heroes, which is what they do day in and day out. Um, so I, I agree. We've, you know, talked about and have a new definition of what is heroic and what is essential. Um, but you know, do we really believe we ought to invest in those people and, and, you know, offer them health insurance and a living wage? Or do we believe that as a society, we should be doing those things? How did you get um, teamed up with Laura Watson, the illustrator for the book? You know, the publisher, it's a great question, Tom. Uh, Laura, uh, I've actually never met her in person. She's from Canada. But the publisher proposed about uh, six or seven different illustrators. And uh, our two children in college were back from college, uh, university. They were going to Boston College. And they were there uh, back at home with our high school sophomore. And we looked at um, all of the illustrators. And we had a secret ballot. And everybody chose Laura including me. I think her art is great. It's the colors are bright, uh, you know, positive messages um, and worked very closely with her on, you know, making sure we had heroes in each of the different settings and to make it fun and, uh, and to try to change our, you know, preconceived notions of what heroes look like. So I thought she did a great job. Did you, uh, do you like it? I thought it was 
Oh, it's absolutely, really and topic. and it's it's um, it more than being decorative or part of the layout of a book. And we see illustrations in a lot of children's books uh, targeted for this age from three to eight, um, because visuals are so important. Um, but it it's kind of part of the book itself because there's there's a certain amount of uh, <laughs> it's got kind of a Where's Waldo quality. Yeah, it's exactly right. That, that's exactly what it. Uh, it's that's exactly correct. And you know, where is Waldo? Instead of finding one guy with a striped shirt amongst you know a thousand pe- people uh, on a page, this is trying to find the heroes doing kind of everyday tasks. Um, you know, from taking care of if you're an older sibling, taking care of your younger sibling when they fall and you know cut the cut their leg to you know, the custodian in the hospital to the lifeguard. Um, you know, Pope Francis, I wrote a book on him, Tom, you mentioned it, yeah. um, talks about the hidden saints who live next door who commit small acts of love that change the world. Um, and, you know, you can think that's corny or overboard. Or, you know, Bobby Kennedy, my uncle, said uh, talked about tiny ripples of hope um, when he was in South Africa that can knock down the mightiest walls of oppression. Um, you know, when, when people stand up against injustice, these are little ripples of hope. And that's what the book is about. They're little celebrating little acts of love and or little ripples of hope. Um, and, you know, the people who are who are doing those little acts of love, little acts of hope, ripples of hope. And that's what Ken Hidden Heroes is about. And I thought Laura did a great job getting that message across. And, and it used to be kind of the, the norm, Mark, where... You know, people strived to be good, to do good things, to help others. And then that kind of tapered off for a while. And, you know, throughout the pandemic, we've heard people talk about a new normal. In the in the wake of redefining what it means to be a hero, do you think there's, there's a chance that, that the new normal will re-embrace that idea of... of we all think of ourselves as capable of doing good? I hope so. I mean, I don't know. You talk to more people than I do. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you think other people think that that's going to happen? Or do you think everyone thinks we're going to go back to the way it was and, you know, essential workers are nice and they did a great job during the pandemic, uh, but, you know, we don't really pay attention to them. Mark, just just about everybody I've posed that question to, Mark, says, what whatever thing they're they're working on to improve the world is going to be better in the new normal. <laughs> now well, I, I hope uh, I don't know if they're all right, but uh, we can hope. Yeah, and I think that not every you know we're not going to all succeed, but if we try, it's you know that that's uh, there was a great quote from Mother Teresa, you know the saint uh, from Calcutta who worked from Calcutta who said God doesn't ask you to succeed but god asks you to try so i guess we're trying not everybody's going to succeed but if we're trying to make the world a little bit better in very you know small but important ways i think that's great and i think you know you pivoting back to what president biden's going to say tonight if we offer pre-k services to families and we provide high quality or early learning experiences for children those kids you know biden's not going to be around to see that in 40 years when those kids are successful, uh, you know, and those kids are benefiting from that, but you got to plant the seeds, uh, and you got to, you know, believe in hope and have faith in hope. Uh, I think we got to try and that's what 10 hidden heroes is about. It's a celebration of people who are 
planting small seeds every day and, and they're going to turn into trees, but it's going to take, you know, years and years. But if we don't do it now, uh, you know, it's never going to get done. Now you talk about 10 hidden heroes. Um, are there, are there just 10 or, uh, are, are there a whole bunch? Because you made it sound earlier, uh, in the last segment, like, um, that it was that it unfolded like the 12 days of christmas where <laughs> the first page you find one the second page you find two is it is it yes. like that well yeah it's on page 10 there are 10 hidden heroes doing in, in that particular case uh, doing issues around health and on page nine it's a different theme with nine different heroes doing something completely different on the environment um you know on page three it's three heroes again doing something completely different around peace building um and uh, so each page has got a different theme with a different number of heroes in it so um every page is different and you know i've had a couple of people tell me that they sat with their kids and you know got through page 10 and page 9 that was it because they had to find the 10 heroes and the kids asked so many questions about each of those 10 heroes that by the time they got to page 9 and got through those nine heroes doing, you know, nine different activities. It was bedtime. Kids at, <laughs> yeah, bedtime. So, uh, and, you know, the kids wanted the next night, go over the eight, find the eight hidden heroes on page eight, and discuss why, you know, these uh, heroes are heroic for doing, you know, whatever it is on page eight. So it's a, it's a fun book. It's an adventure book. It's a counting book. Uh, but it's really a celebration book of those that, uh, you know, essential workers, those who are doing acts of love, tiny acts of love every day. You know, Mark, I've talked to a lot of people who have done children's books, and I'm not sure we ever really um, talked about how important it is these books become for the parents um, as as outlines for talking about things with their kids. Well, I hope you're, uh, you know, say it again, Tom, so your listeners hear it. That's exactly the point. I mean, I saw one review of the book on Amazon, and the person wrote, I don't, you know, quite get why, the, you know, the, some of these issues are too, you know, too deep for young children. And the issue point is, yeah, they may be, you know, quote, too deep for young children, but they're not for adults. And, you know, do you, Tom, really think that Special Olympics athletes, people who have developmental disabilities, do you think they can be heroes? Well, of course. And, you know, if your kid, if you're reading to your grandchildren or your kid or your niece or your nephew or your next door neighbor, I don't know, and that kid asks you that question, you know, Uncle Tom or, you know, Grandpa Tom or whatever you're called, do you really think uh, people who are, you know, slow learners can be heroes? What's the answer? Well, of, of I mean, it course. makes you think. Yeah, but you know, forty years ago, when my mother started Special Olympics, the answer wasn't, of course. And I think a lot of people don't realize that people with developmental disabilities are working, holding down jobs, are married, live on their own. But they also may not know that you know, not people with developmental disabilities, the unemployment rate is ninety percent. And should we, as a country, be you know helping to train those folks so that they can take jobs and be great employees? Well, why don't we do that? Why don't we talk about that on your show? Why and don't it, you know you bring in somebody from the state of Michigan who works with the Developmental Disabilities Commission and find out why they're under resourced and not, you know, training people with developmental disabilities to do work? 
I mean, that's a pretty good question. And if that happens as a result of the book or this conversation, you know, that's and, fun. That's good stuff. And and it's it's interesting that you encountered someone who thought maybe some of these issues might be too deep for kids because the the thing is, you well know that children are often the ones living with uh, food insecurity and poverty and um, violence and 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 racism without necessarily knowing how to understand the things that are happening around them. Yes, and we see that at Save the Children all the time. The food insecurity, which is a fancy term for you're hungry, uh, is impacting you know uh, over 10 million kids every day in this country. Why is that? You know, we have in the in the book there's the Save the Children folks giving out books. You know, why do we in the richest country in the history of the world have uh, children that can't afford books and go to school where they don't have internet connection, um, where they don't have enough you know resources to go home? You know, I mean, our kids, my wife Jeannie and I've been married almost 30 years. Our kids have got great internet connection and they're learning you know, pretty well during this pandemic. Well, why are there millions of kids that don't have internet connection, don't have a laptop, don't have the ability to learn and are going to fall behind further? You know, those are, I mean, those are questions that, you know, eight-year-olds deal with when they live in poverty. Uh, they don't know how to answer them, but maybe they ought to, you know, those conversations ought to happen on your show. Well, uh, and, and, and I government. do try, and I do try to do that. I do try to cover all of the things that that yeah. we can address and and that's one of the things that i really enjoy about doing this show because i am by no means an expert in anything mark but i'm fortunate enough to have people like you on the show who are and can you know speak to and address uh, some of these well you're issues. shining a huge light tom right so thank you for doing that um and I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not an expert by any stretch either, um, but I want to thank you. You know, I mean, the idea, I hadn't thought about it that way. You know, do we really think that Special Olympics athletes are heroes? And then if so, you know, maybe uh, somebody who runs, uh, you know, the budget for the governor in Michigan or uh, somebody listening to this will say, why aren't we investing in those needs for people with developmental disabilities? They are heroic. Why, why aren't we training them? Why aren't we have? Why isn't their housing provided? And you can say that's not government's role, but we can have a discussion about it, and then you know make an argument that if we invest in people with developmental disabilities, they'll pay taxes and you know flourish as human beings. That's a pretty good answer. It, you that's know, and what it makes doesn't, this book fun. And it doesn't always have to be the government doing it we had uh that's correct we had a state legislator uh from the flint area where i grew up who founded a uh, a foot race um to benefit special olympics like 40 years ago mm -hmm. and it's 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 become a world-class event and now it's you know kind of on hiatus because of the pandemic but you know it was bringing 10 to 15,000 people to the Flint area to run in this race every year and raise money for Special Olympics. So there are things that those regular heroes you feature in the book, and by regular I mean everyday heroes, um, that you feature in this, uh, in this book for kids, um, there are things they can do about the things Absolutely. that we talk about. Absolutely, and that's a great example, you know, creating a, 
uh, a race. I don't know whether it's a marathon or a 5K or whatever it is. It's, it's a marathon. Money. It's ra- it is a marathon. It's yeah. raising money. It's raising awareness. Um, and it's asking us, you know, as a, as a community, whether we're from Flint or Michigan or the United States, you know, what do we value? Um, and if we value, you know, uh, raising money for Special Olympics to give people with developmental disabilities uh, access to athletics, which in and of itself is breaking down, you know, when people see great athletes, uh, like spe- the Special Olympics athletes can be, they say, well, well, maybe they maybe they not only can run a race quickly or play soccer well, but maybe they can get a job. And then, bam, you, you're making social change. And that's what my mom did. You know, she was a genius in using sports to knock down these walls of misunderstanding and prejudice and isolation. I, ju- um, I just had a conversation budget. recently, Mark, with uh, the uh, chief uh, diversity officer from IBM about... Uh, uh, rolling neurodiversity into tech organizations and and the benefits of doing that. Yeah, well, those are that, that's powerful. That's that's um, and that's know, exactly the stuff that we're talking about. But we just have a couple of minutes left, Mark, and I and I want to make sure and ask you a couple of things. One is, what's next for Mark? Have you got the bug now? Are you going to be the next Dr. Seuss? Dr. Zeus wrote more than uh, three books. I've written three of them. They're hard. They're hard to do, Tom. As you know, you you know, writing and uh, in this case, making sure that uh, you know the the heroes are depicted in the way. It's writing's a lot of work. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I've thought of so many other heroes that I should put in a book. Maybe we'll do Ten Hidden Heroes Part Two. Uh, I love talking about these issues, you know, with with you and. Uh, with your listeners, I think we really got to struggle with them uh, as a country and as a community. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I enjoy working at Save the Children, doing good work all across America and across the world, trying to help kids and learn from the kids and families. Um, so I'm in a good place. And our kids are healthy, thank God. And uh, we're blessed at the Shriver household. Well, let's let's uh, let's end it here, as I do with all my guests. Um, I like to give uh, listeners an opportunity to know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, Mark, do you have a website? Uh, Ten Hidden Heroes. Yes, it's you know it's for sale in you know, independent bookstores at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart.com. It's uh, uh, Ten Hidden Heroes is for sale everywhere. Save the Children has a website. Um, uh, Save the Children Action Network is also online as well. We'd love to get people involved in our advocacy work on, you know, entering into, as Teddy Roosevelt said, into that arena um, to try to raise the visibility and the importance of kids' needs. Um, so if folks want to help Save the Children, they can go on savethechildren.org or Save the Children Action Network. They want to be involved in our grassroots advocacy efforts. Um, and um, Ten Hidden Heroes is for sale. Well, Mark, it's been an honor and a pleasure talking with you. I feel like we could talk all day, but uh, we've got to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for spending this time. Thanks for having me, Tom. Have a great, uh, great morning and a great uh, rest of the day. Take Thank care. you. Bye-bye. That was uh, Mark Shriver, um, who is uh, president of the Save the Children Action Network in Washington, D.C. He created the Choice Program and is a former Maryland state legislator. He is the author of Pilgrimage, My Search for the Real Pope Francis, and the New York Times bestselling memoir, 
uh, rediscovering my father, a good man, rediscovering my father, Sergeant Shriver. Um, his uh, new book is for kids, 10 Hidden Heroes, a counting book with a message. We'll have more after this message. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque riverway. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. 
We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Chad Huntley. Someone once asked Will Rogers, is the field of humor crowded? Rogers replied, only when Congress is in session. Washington still has its humorists and wits in all branches of government. Philosophically, a politician seems to enhance his appeal to the voters if he has some ability with any of the various kinds of humor. Slapstick puns, the knife-edged quip, homespun yarns, or the raw and earthy variety. They have all had their places in American political life. It is likely, too, that a president who can employ humor has an advantage. His audience rarely expects it of him, but it's ready to laugh with him at the most subtle sign or suggestion. Historically, while political wit and humor are not exclusive properties of us Americans, it is clear that we have advanced and refined the art more than any other people. It appears to have been with us from the earliest days. Benjamin Franklin charmed the court of France with his wit. Jackson had flashes of frontier humor. There was Lincoln, of course, and Theodore Roosevelt, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, Alban Barclay, and so many more who established the rich tradition of Washington humor as it sounds today. Here, for example, is the director of the Peace Corps, R. Sergeant Shriver, Jr., whose remarks took cognizance of the fact that he is a brother-in-law of the president. There are quite a few things, actually, about this dynasty you all hear about uh, that are not on the public record. And this morning I noticed in the papers the Congressional Quarterly Report that uh, 57 of you editors have stated that the Kennedy family is going to be an important issue in the campaign. But I'd like to get one facet about the family straightened out here on the record, and that involves how I got this job to begin with. Uh, frankly, I'd gone back to uh, Chicago after the uh, nomination, the snow and so on, and I was really enjoying myself for the first time in a long while. I had spent a solid week with my family uh, for the first time in two years when the phone rang. It was the president on there, and uh, uh, he called a couple of times, and finally my wife said, Sarge, you've got to talk to Jack now. Remember, he's the president. And so uh, I said, uh, well, all right, I will. So about the third time I got on the phone, he said, uh, listen, you've got to come down here to Washington to run the Peace Corps. I said, well, Mr. President, you know, I don't know anything about any Peace Corps. And he said, well, that's all right, neither does anybody else. And I said, but yes, but remember all the political debts you incurred during the campaign. Why don't you give this uh, job to one of your political friends? And he said, listen, Sarge, the truth of the matter is that everybody thinks the Peace Corps is going to be one of the greatest fiascos in history. It turns out that way, it's much easier to fire a relative than a political friend. (laughs) It is still argued whether the wit of Ambassador to the United Nations, Adlai Stevenson, won or cost him votes in his campaigns for the presidency. Be that as it may, Mr. Stevenson's use of hyperbole, metaphor, and a wide range of humor is highly effective. Late in 1962, an article in a popular publication intimated strongly that Ambassador Stevenson was out of favor by the president. 
The rumor and speculation continued even after a denial by President Kennedy. At the height of public interest in the incident, the President and his ambassador came face to face at an awards dinner for scientists, sponsored by the Kennedy Foundation to combat mental retardation. Ambassador Stevenson was the Toastmaster. I am pleased to be introduced here tonight by my old friend from Illinois, Sergeant Schreiber, because he is the world's best salesman. <laughs> he is selling instant peace. It is so successful that nations cry for it. <laughs> the UN may cry for it very soon. As for me, I've been crying for it for the past week. <laughs> but despite, Mr. President, all that has happened, I'm convinced that um, most of the press of this country follow Joseph Pulitzer's admonition, his remark, that accuracy is to a newspaper what virtue is to a lady. <laughs> Except, as someone pointed out, a newspaper can always print a retraction. Even in the... The 35th President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, had frequently demonstrated a quick and ready wit. But his audience at the 1962 White House Correspondents' Dinner was unprepared for the high humor he revealed that night. It was shortly after his now-famous clash with the steel industry in which the industry had announced and then rescinded a steel price increase. I have a few opening announcements. <laughs> First, the sudden and arbitrary action of the officers of this organization in increasing the price of dinner tickets by two... <laughs> by $2.50 over last year constitutes a wholly unjustifiable defiance of the public interest. If this increase is not rescinded, but is imitated by the gridiron, radio, TV, and other dinners, it will have a serious impact on the entire economy of this city. In this serious hour in our nation's history, when newsmen are awakened in the middle of the night to be given a front-page story. <laughs> when expense accounts are being scrutinized by the Congress. When correspondents are required to leave their families for long and lonely weekends at Palm Beach. <laughs> the American people will find it hard to accept this ruthless decision made by a tiny handful of executives.
whose only interest is the pursuit of pleasure. I am hopeful that the Women's Press Club will not join this price rise and will thereby force a rescission. I'm uh, sure I speak in behalf of all of us in expressing our thanks and very best wishes to Benny Goodman and his group, Miss Gwen Burden and Bob Force, Miss Sally Ann Howes, Mr. Reed, who has some talent, but... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Peter Sellers. I, I have arranged for them to appear next week on the United States Steel Hour. <laughs> Actually, uh, I didn't do it. Bobby did it, but uh, we're going Like uh, members of Congress, I have been, during the last few days over the Easter holiday, back in touch with my constituents and uh, seeing how they felt. And frankly, I've come back to Washington from Palm Beach, and I'm against my entire program. I really feel that the only hope in 64 is to, uh, on the Republican ticket, is to nominate uh, Barry. But to be honest, I thought that before I went to Palm Beach. <laughs> we are glad to have the Prime Minister tonight. Last night he was the guest of the publishers, and again he is tonight. We want him to know... Uh... How welcome he is. Lord Dunsany, a distinguished Irishman, said many years ago... To fight England is to fight fate. And I choose to believe in 1962 to be associated with England in a great cause is to be associated with fate. Prime Minister, we are proud to have you here again. We are... I think I speak on his behalf in saying that after having been in the hands of 1,400 members of the press for over four hours, we haven't got a single complaint. Thank you. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
you pilots get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>